Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day that you have made for us to be glad and to rejoice in it. Thank you for being in the house of God amongst the people of God, amongst the sons of God that love you, that serve you, that seek you with all their heart. We pray that your spirit would fill our hearts and our lives and our families, our future, that your name might be lifted up and glorified, Lord. Name above all names. The name at which every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. We pray this day for your word. We ask that you bless it, that it would be the good seed planted in good hearts, giving forth good fruit, O God. We pray that it would shine in the midst of darkness, that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, that it would be a double-edged sword, Lord, that would penetrate the deepest um, places, crevices of our soul and our spirit and are able to discern and define uh, your truth, Lord that shines in the midst of darkness. We pray, Father God, that your word would be uh, the bread of life today for us to nourish our spirit and that we would leave this place having celebrated the king of glory, having worshiped the God of creation. We give you thanks for your ways. Holy Spirit, minister to our hearts, capture our sentiments, direct our steps, that we not be orphans, but that we please the Father in all our ways. We pray that your word not return void and that we're welcome your, the ministry of your word, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Uh, describing the last days, the Bible does a good job. I don't think there's any other book upon the face of the earth that can give you the climate and the thermostat for the last days. Um, one of the biggest things in the last days the Bible speaks about is called distraction. One that removes you from the rails in a direction that is not feasible. Um, We have talked about that in the last couple of days, how the devil came to Jesus and tried to distract him from being a son of God. If you're a son of God, turn these stones to bread. If you're a son of God, throw yourself from the high pinnacle. If you're the son of God, uh, bow down and worship me. And we said that, that Jesus was able to focus on the word of God. And in the day of distraction, I, I need, and I'm telling you what, um, the leaders are, are those that the devil's trying to distract. Uh, in this, at this meeting in North Carolina, we had uh, something called the Trail of Silence. One of the nights, a Friday night, uh, a gentleman, imagine you're in North Carolina, right? Everybody know North Carolina? the south. A gentleman grabs a torch, a big torch, lights the fire, and then we're all following him into the woods. And I'm like, I feel a little bit uncomfortable because <laughs> this guy looks like he's done that before and his grandfather did it before and his grandfather before that. And they weren't, okay, we followed that gentleman into the woods the trail of silence to have a moment of a bonfire and then somebody would do a devotional and um, he lost his way he couldn't find his entrance into the trail in the woods and everybody followed him everybody followed him so we were like oh what's where's he going and he's lost and then somebody says you missed it back there so he turns around and we do a u-turn so leaders that are distracted are the most dangerous in our days because people are following them. 
People are looking them to set the standard. I guarantee you, if I ran out of this building, everybody would run out of this building because they're like, something's going on. And if he's running, it's for a reason. And we need to be the leaders of our world. Matthew 5.14 says we are the light of the world. We are those that bring clarity to what is going on. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You cannot be an undercover Christian in our time. Um, the distractions are many-fold. Uh, if, we, if we offered everyone's distraction here this morning, um, they would be a myriad of expressions. Some people are distracted uh, by financial concerns, their economic pressures have them uh, pursuing other priorities. They're distracted. They're not attending to the precise focus on, on clarity and precision. Um, distraction causes disconnect. People will say, I'm distracted because I'm having marital problems. So I can't concentrate accurately because I don't have peace at home. Uh, others will talk about um, having issues with respect to relationships, not only in marriage, but friendships. Uh, people that they are connected to in their soul that move them out of focus and cause a distortion. So for, for all these distractions that could be taking place in our day, um, the distraction that's leading our affections astray, the Bible says in Matthew 24, 12, that in the last days, the love of many would, would wax cold. A lot of people would lose their capacity to love, to be connected. If, you, if your love grows indifferent, uh, there goes your love of God. There goes your attachment to um, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So if you're not have the capacity to love, and it says that they will not because of injustice, because of things going wrong, because lawlessness will abound. So, so anything out of order will carry your affections with it. And I tell you the truth, as the days are counting down, however you want to count them down, uh, I want to avoid distraction and get more focused. I want to make sure that my love is fervent. Uh, fervent love dispels selfishness. You don't have an opportunity to think of yourself when you're thinking of others. And thinking of yourself will cause you to go astray uh, in these days. Uh, Paul, I believe, is in, Matthew, in Acts chapter um, 24, 20. He says, I'm, I'm not paying too much attention on myself. Um, let's go to 2024. I'm not putting too much attention on myself. None of these things move me. I'm not going to be moved by any of these things. First, I don't count my life dear to me. That means if I get offended, oh well. I'm not going to pay attention to that because that has the very essence to kidnap me to hell. I will not forgive. I will make that an idol. I will sit down and worship it as a priority. I don't want to listen to the word of God. Why? I'm offended. 
Somebody hurt my feelings. Um, I believe somebody said, get over it. Get over it. Get yourself out of the way because it's going to cost you your life. It's going to cost you what God has for you. So Paul says, none of these things are able to affect me because I'm not counting my life dear to myself so that I might finish my race with joy. So I'm not bitter and full of resentment. How awful it would be to not get into heaven because you have the inability to forgive somebody two steps before entering before the presence of Jesus. This is somebody was telling me, you know, uh, and they're just very hurt right now. I said, you know something? If Jesus carried his hurt and didn't say, Father, forgive them, none of us would be here. And we need to also be able to walk as he walked, not counting our lives dear to ourselves that we might finish the races before us and be able to fulfill the ministry. Hey, do you have the capacity to understand that if I took the opportunity to allow offense to creep into my heart and fester bitterness and to say, you know something, let, let, let somebody else run the course, run the race. The ministry which I've received from the Lord Jesus to be able to tell the good news of the grace of God. This is, this is the focus of our being able to finish well, like uh, Dr. R.T. Kendall was talking about last week. But I'm, I'm saying there's an array of darts, fiery darts, arrows, that are being shot in my way to distract my affections and to, to mess with my priorities, to, to know that I'm, I'm running well. Um, in the midst of distraction, there is the... There is the possibility to disconnect, and when you disconnect, here comes darkness, deception, and distancing. You're just totally off course. You've run in an opposite direction. You're running from the offense that you have, the offense that you have because of lawlessness. The love of many will grow cold. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says that our focus needs to be placing our eyes upon Christ. Jesus needs and, and is the only way that I can foresee us being able to, um, to journey in this life. Because when I look at Jesus, he resolves my offense he resolves the, the, when I'm offended, when I'm betrayed, when people have become disloyal, when there's no longer the embrace of earthly warmth. All these things that affect us as human beings are resolved in looking unto Jesus. He has to be the origin, the source. The, the, the word author is the one, the source um, that begins and finishes our faith. And his example is that he put his eyes on the joy before him. He had plenty of opportunity to look at Judas and say, you son of a mother, you bandit, you betrayed me, you kiss me, uh, how is this? And, and he could have taken that offense and avoided the cross. But he placed his focus on joy. Um, I want to encourage you this morning. I don't know what has 
cause your joy to go sour, but look at Jesus. Restore your joy in him. Get, get, get yourself so filled with the presence of God and the joy of God that it is stronger than the bitterness of suffering, despising shame, uh, all the things that, that, that cause man to lapse in his expression. The Bible says that he was naked and ashamed, so he hid himself. So these sentiments allow men to go into the woods and to hide themselves from the presence of God because they're not living at the level. Uh, uh, almost my conversations throughout the year, throughout the year, it's not so much what people have done wrong that has caused them to lose their way. Um, but, but I often hear people tell me it's the shame of having messed up that doesn't allow me to come back. It's, 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 there's something that, that the devil produces in our sin that causes us to be ashamed of being able to stand up again and say, uh, I need to be counted for, um, for not having messed up. Again, we need to look at Jesus because there he wore our sin and shame. It went upon him in the cross of Calvary. He paid the price, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Um, look to Jesus in every distraction that you have. Even this morning, you, you say, my parents got divorced. I can't, I can't. Listen, look to Jesus. Look, my, my sons are not honoring me. Look to Jesus. Uh, my relationships have gone sour. Listen, we don't have time to play around with, uh, and, and, and they're, they're painful. All these scenarios are are hugely, uh, some people might even say, easy for you to say, pastor. Easy for you to say. But the truth of the matter is, um, try to listen to the voice of God this morning because he's here for you. He give me this message for you. He give me this message for you because he sees the, the, the sentiment, the affection. He sees the weighing these things heavy in our hearts. And we cannot afford in these last days to allow these things to occupy the main seat as as i'm looking up here um i had a verse and we see the focus of of the disciples from the first of their message first corinthians 15 3 People deliver messages in, the, in, in very various ways. Um, and depending on how they deliver the message will de de determine the decision you make. And so I know if Jesus was coming tomorrow, it would be September 19th tomorrow. If he was coming tomorrow and you had no doubt of his appearance, you would want to attend to the order of first priority. You, you wouldn't want to feel he's coming on Wednesday because then you wouldn't make it your first order of priority. You would postpone it. You would put it back. And here Paul tells the Corinthians, I delivered to you that which is most important, first of all. Uh, one translation I have here says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. The first order of importance is the focus that Christ died for our sins. 
He is that which eliminates every other course of sentiment in our lives. According to scripture, verse 4, he says, the focus is that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to scripture. Isn't that powerful that, that he's on the cross for our sins, that he was buried and he rose again, that he would be our focus uh, above all other expressions upon the earth. And so there, um, we need to sit there and say, you know something, I know that there's a lot of things pulling in my heartstrings these days. And if I were to describe them to you, I would probably infect you with my hurt with my pain and and there are various descriptions um, some people will want to talk to you about their finances I don't I don't have enough money to carry the day I, I want you to say like the psalmist in Psalm 16 verse 8 because I've set my heart to um, to put you as the primary I've set the Lord always before me and because he is my strength, I'm not going to be moved. He's the great equalizer for us not to be moved in this day. I, I don't know what's going to happen um, in the political process. I don't know who's going to be the next president. I don't know what's going to happen in the world's economy, the world wars. And, and we, we said that um, on Wednesday. There's going to be all types of rumors of every... Um, we, we, Matthew, let's read that that we read on, on, on Wednesday night. Matthew 24, verse 7. All manners of nations will rise up against nations. What's going to happen in the Middle East? What's going to happen with ISIS? What's going to happen with Syria? What is going to happen uh, in Russia? Kingdom against kingdom, nation against nations, the cultural wars, um, the dreaded expression of, of a communist, socialist America where, where we don't want to carry our personal responsibility anymore. We want the government to take care of us. We're trying to find our answers in government. That was never the case in America. The, the people had their answer in God, one nation under God. Amen. They went to God for their health issues. They didn't go to Obamacare and to health, uh, social uh, health care. They would pray for one another. Um, even in the last couple of days, I received, um, I received text messages, so-and-so diagnosed with cancer. It's confirmed. It's affirmed. Uh, and, and in the midst of that darkness... If you don't run to Jesus, you're running to the wrong place. If you're not looking for the author and finisher of our existence, we, we've gone wrong. If you as the church are not pointing to Jesus as the main focus for all things, we become part of the problem. How many say amen? amen. On these new commercials that have come out, and the guy diagnoses, you definitely have a pest control problem. And he goes, well, treat it. He goes, no, I just diagnosed I'm not here to treat it. Oh, you definitely have a cable problem. Well, I put cable. I'm not a cable man. I, don't, I just know how to diagnose the problem. Imagine a church like that. 
that, that only knows how to diagnose problems and hear problems and emphasize on issues and not be the one who points to the answer. And so there it is that uh, we see nations against nations, kingdom against kingdoms. There's going to be pestilence, earthquakes in various places. And then it says in verse 6, I, I'm sorry, uh, verse 8, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. These are the beginning of problems. I, I, I have become all the more unapologetic to point to Jesus in all things. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the hope of glory. On all these sorrows, distractions, disconnects, darknesses, um, it says that in the midst of those that will persevere, let's go to verse 13, those who persevere to the end shall be saved. Those who are able to sustain hardship to the end and to be unmoved is to focus upon Jesus, the expression of his beauty. Um, there's going to be a lot of distraction. Verse 11, right before this, it says that there will be many false leaders and all they do is disrupt clarity and direction God has been speaking to our church so vividly to be careful with our conscience to make our devotion simple and sincere to make it real uh, what's happening in our life is authentic uh, Jason Ellerbrook from Nashville Tennessee he says, I don't grow tired of coming to visit you in Miami because this doesn't grow old. It's not a story that you tell and it's over. It's the life of Christ in you, the life of Christ in this church that is so attractive. And, and I believe that that is what needs to be our attention. Look what it says in verse 9. It says, you will be hated by all nations because you represent me. The animosity that is felt by being Christians is the reality of every follower of Christ from the beginning of time. Cain hated Abel because of the authenticity of his worship. We can't help that. You, can, you cannot help people having issue with you because you're trying to be real in Jesus. They're not going to have an indifferent feeling. They're going to despise you. They're going to hate you. You're going to be an issue to them. It says they will deliver you up to torture, to kill you. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. They, they, one of the verses says that those who follow Christ authentically will be persecuted. That, that comes as part of the, uh, of the expression and profession of our faith. People are going to have issue with you. Um, we said it years ago. You could buy a six-pack and come into the house and offer it to a family. No problems. You could buy a bottle of vodka. Come to a house. You have no problem. You could bring in some uh, athletic sports. You could, you could like uh, or, or dislike a, a particular sports uh, figure, and you'll have no problem. You'll be welcomed, invited, and celebrated. Try to bring Jesus into a house. Try and bring him to your family, to your friends. It's almost like, listen, if you're going to bring Jesus in, 
uh, you stay at the door with him. We're not inviting you guys to come in. And so these are all truths that, that we must uh, understand in these times. Um, one of the verses, verse 10 of chapter 24, it says, many will be offended. There'll be so much offense in the last days. There, um, if there's not plenty to go around, you can talk to some people and they'll give you their offenses. Let me talk to you a little bit about Missy Missy. Or let me talk to you a little bit about this gentleman here. And they'll want you to carry their offense that they're carrying towards other people. And that's going to multiply and increase in our days. Uh, we need to be expert at ministry of reconciliation and forgiveness. That's what makes us sons of God. Not only offense, but betrayal, uh, disloyalty. Um, uh, for the life of me, um, I don't understand. Uh, I was telling uh, one of the verses uh, to my son this, this yesterday. Um, I'm going to look it up here because I want to give it to you also. The verses that, that your father's friend, let him be your friend also. In, in a generation where, where friendship has gone out the door, Proverbs 27.10, do not forsake your friend. Do not, do not put away your companion. David says, those who fear God are my companion and my friends. Do not put away your father's friend. And so these, these expressions are, are unseen in present day. The, the statistic says that nine out of ten men do not have a friend. This is what my pastor, my friend is my wife. Well, congratulations. I'm glad that you and your wife are best friends. But to be able to show forth a heart of a friend is Jesus' heart. He, he cultivated the life of these men in John 15, 15. And he says, I don't call you my servants anymore. I call you my friend. Now, our relationship is deeper now. We don't have a superficial relationship. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not uh, inquire into his master's doings. But I've called you a friend. For all the things that I've heard from my Father in heaven, I've made known to you. We're on the same base because we love the same God. We want to please that God. We want to live for his glory. There's, there's an inseparable existence to those who love Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Amen. And that is non-existence in our day. And people just swap in two seconds. And that, that is a sign of the times where it says in those days, Matthew 24, 10, it says there will be offense, there will be betrayal, there will be people despising one another. So in all these distractions, in the midst of this darkness, where, where it's, it's open season on he offended me. You, you can ask that to anybody nowadays and they'll have a list of their, like R.T. Kendall, the list of his enemies I thank God I'm not on it yet, he says. <laughs> what, what is going on in our distraction? Has that superseded our devotion? Our loving Jesus and, and expressing him with, with the forgiveness that exudes from him being inside of us. Father, forgive them. There will be betrayal. There will be hate. There will be darkness 
distraction. Uh, the Bible says in one instance, the enemy of a man will be the members of his own house. How could that not be hell upon the earth? And so I was, I was reminded there in Matthew 14, verse 22, that in the midst of the storm, Jesus tells his disciples to go to the other side. He sends away the multitude. And the disciples get into the boat, and we're traveling in this journey, verse 23, and it says that all of a sudden a storm rose up. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain to pray by himself. It was evening time, and Jesus was alone, verse 24. And it says, the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves and the wind that was contrary. I think that that's where we're at in the spiritual climate of our day. I think that, that our, our vessels are being tossed to and fro by all the things that you can come up to. Whether, whether even an illness could sit there and sidetrack you and make you a devotion. I went to visit a, an old man that used to come to our church and he sat at the table and, and he checked his blood pressure. He checked his sugar. He checked his, I don't know what he was checking, but it was three things. And he just went from one thing to another. And he sat there all day, every five minutes, checking the three vital signs of his existence. I said to him, Brother Lorenzo, I love you dearly. You're our Lazarus. You've raised from the dead five times already. Went to the hospital and prayed for him, and the Lord would bring him back and bring him back and bring him back. So we walk, we'll see him walking around the church where it says, there comes Lazarus, the man that Jesus lifted up. But that, on that one occasion, I went to visit him one of the last times, and he was checking his sugar and checking his blood pressure. And, and doctor, help me out with the third thing, something you check. Blood pressure. The poultry. Yeah, he was just there. I said, Lorenzo, do me a favor. Go to Miami Beach and start walking down that beach and die on the beach. <laughs> die doing something where you are enjoying life. Because what you're doing is not living. You're not living if you're living based on fears. Based on, on thoughts that are coming to limit your existence upon the earth. I, I would see him. You know, he didn't take my advice. Um, <laughs> But he died there at the table, checking his pulse and his sugar and his, and, and uh, tossed by the waves and the winds that were contrary in the middle of the ocean. And there it is when Jesus shows up. How many know that Jesus shows up? I, I love that. I love when Jesus shows up. Verse 25, it was the fourth watch of the night and Jesus went to them walking on the sea. I, I can know that just like all these issues that distract us are present and close and we feel their breath and their, their offense, that Jesus is close. And so if we change our distraction to focus on the Lord, we could see him approach. In verse 26, it says, when they saw him, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, and they see him over all these things. They were troubled saying it might be a ghost. And they cried out of fear. They were freaking out. Is God real? Is he not real? Is he shown up? Has he not shown up? And his introduction, verse 27, he spoke to them immediately. Cuts off all their fear immediately. Saying, be of good cheer. Your disposition needs to change. Not fear, cheer. Begin to celebrate the Lord.
It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter tells him in verse 28, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. In the midst of being tossed and driven and overwhelmed by my distractions, Lord, extend an invitation to meet you in the midst of this crazy life. And so he said, come. And Peter had come down off the boat, verse 29. He said, come. When Peter comes off the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And it says that, verse 30, he began to place his attention on the boisterousness of the wind. Things that blow, not necessarily things you need to place your attention on. Being around strong people is a blessing. Amen. You're able to allow their strength to keep you standing also. As he began to see the wind, put on his eyes upon things, he began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is here with an outstretched arm. Verse 31. He caught him and said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you allow those things to distract you? Verse 32, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat came and worshiped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. I want to encourage you that the distraction of selfishness, of offense, of betrayal, of absence, uh, we all love the embrace the embrace, uh, the confidence, the light, the love, the connection. Don't let the devil disconnect you because of your concern regards finances in this season, friendships in this season, family in this season, relationships in this season. Even I was reading Revelations I think it's chapter 3, verse 2, where it says that you've even tried those who call themselves apostles. Let me get that for you guys real quick. It, if you place your confidence on, on ministry or, or men of God, uh, we were talking about that several times in the past years. Yeah, chapter 2, verse 2. Revelations 2.2, 2, um, we were talking about, man, I was real close to a Christian, and they said that they knew Jesus, and that has me all stirred up and messed up. And there in Revelations 2.2, 2, it says, I know your works and your, work, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you've tested those who say they're apostles and are not because they're liars. There's people that are going to be distracted in the last days because of they put their confidence. I thought the man of God would, and he let me down. Don't let that be your distraction. Let your devotion be without hindrance. And, and, and if you want a man of God who's not going to let you down, his name is Jesus Christ. And if that is your confidence, you won't be moved. 
You won't set your expectations in a place. Well, I thought that this would happen. I thought that would happen. I thought this would. Let's stand today and, and, and go back. I don't know if we have our musicians are still here. Um, we, we can tell Jesus, you are. You are my all in all. I, I'm not, I'm not going to divide and divvy my heart's affections and my pursuit. Um, you know something? When you allow Jesus to be the center of it all, then you are unfazed. You're not going to say, my husband left me. My son doesn't honor me. My, my church doesn't cater to to whatever your expectation is. You'll be so full of the life of God in Jesus that you won't be moved. The devil will not be able to distract you and to make you lose your focus. Those who have placed their sentiment on money, Matthew 6.19 says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on the earth where laws can take place and thieves can steal. Uh, does anybody know what thieves do? They steal. Why are you surprised? That's their expertise, to take what's not theirs. So if you're moved by that, you lose. You lose. Don't put treasures in places where thieves can steal. Don't make that your treasure. For Verse 21 says... For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. This is the same passage that says you can't serve two masters. Verse 25 says, so don't put your affection on your life. Don't put your priorities on your eating and drinking. Your clothes, the fashions, the culture. All these things will move people in the last days. Make sure Jesus is at the forefront of your attention and focus, looking to Jesus, author and finisher of our faith. If you listen to the media and to the paper, and the, the other day they said it was going to rain in Miami. It was a clear day. It's a sunny day. So if you're listening to the media and they're calling for bad weather, you say, I look at Jesus, I see the sunshine. I see bright, I see glorious, I see mercy, I see love. Everything that I need to sustain me is in Jesus. Father, thank you that you gave us a name above all names. Thank you that it is a strong tower and the righteous run to the name of the Lord and are safe. Thank you that in time of storm and distraction, time of darkness and deception, we are unmoved, unfazed. So we walk in the example of Christ to forgive the offense, to reconcile the betrayal, to ask your presence to fill us with joy in the midst of sadness. You are sufficient for all these things, Lord. We pray that you take the throne of our hearts and sit as the king over your kingdom in our lives. We pray that peace reigns and joy reigns and righteousness prevails. And we worship and bow down looking to Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith. We 
give you thanks that you are an anchor that allows us to come before the presence of God and not be driven by the winds that are blowing in our, in our generation. We pray that your light shine greater than any darkness, that your love prevail over all selfishness, that even our treasure bows down to serve you and to honor you as a priority in our existence. We give you thanks for our family relationships, but no family relationship is greater than our relationship with you. There is no greater bond in love than being one with you and the Father. Holy Spirit, sustain us in these days to not be distracted, but to be focused on Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.